The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Uh, they'll be singing more songs, and you'll enjoy that. I appreciate them doing their very best in serving the Lord. And they'll be traveling, of course, this summer, uh, the entire summer. You won't get to see them much, and they'll be on the road going to youth camps and uh, conferences and local churches. Matter of fact, Dr. Bachman and they were at a local church this morning, and uh, they, one of the boys had the honor and the privilege to be able to lead singing in the church. And then, of course, there was a teaching time and preaching time, and so praise the Lord for them. In your Bible, back in 2 Kings 2 and 2, here's what we see. The Bible says, And Elijah, that's the older man of God, said unto Elijah, that's the younger man of God, Terry, here, I pray thee, uh, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. Uh, Bethel meaning the house of bread. It was the place of the house of God, if you will. The Bible says, And Elisha, uh, that's the younger one, said unto him, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee, so they and that's talking about both of them. So they went down to Bethel. And I want to speak tonight on used of God greatly. Uh, you know, when I was a young preacher, I would attend meetings and I would hear various preachers preach. Many, many good men of God that I hear coming up as a young preacher. And I would watch them as they would deliver the word of God. I would watch how God, in a most powerful way, would use those individuals and how hundreds and yea thousands of people uh, would come to an altar and kneel, change their lives for the glory of God, go out and serve God. Many missionaries went to the mission field, many preachers went to pulpits, and many lives were changed across America. And uh, I can tell you there was a thirst inside of my heart uh, to be able to not just identify with those preachers that were greatly used of God, but to be able to have the same thing happen where uh, I could be able to be used of God more than less. I think everybody has a desire that truly loves God to have a desire to be used of God more than less. And so as we study tonight, young Elisha, we'll see uh, some ingredients that I believe God, through his Holy Spirit, has allowed us to see in the Bible, whereby there's a great thirst in this young man's heart to be able to be used of God more. Here we see that there's Elijah, the older man of God. The older man of God has now run his course almost, and he's getting ready to end his earthly ministry. And as he does, uh, he has young Elisha to be able to travel along with him. And we'll see here that he adopted him as his personal man of God, 2 Kings 2 and verse 5. The Bible says, And the sons of the prophets were at Jericho, came to Elisha, and said unto him, Knowest thou uh, that the Lord uh, would take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. Now, I think that's a sad, sad verse. The reason I think it's such a sad verse, uh, they use words. And these are the 50 sons of the prophets, as you well know. And they use words. Knowest thou not that the, the Lord would take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, and he said, I know it. Hold ye your peace. You notice they didn't say our master. Uh, they never allowed Elijah to be their master. They never allowed him to be, if you would please, their pastor. They never allowed. You know, there's people that go to uh, independent Baptist churches, just like we are tonight, and uh, they never allow the preacher to become their 
pastor. And I think it's very important that everybody have a pastor. Uh, the Bible calls those of us that are saved a sheep, and the Bible calls the pastor the under-shepherd, whereby the, he's the shepherd of the sheep, if you will, to be able to guide them. I know that sometimes sheep are skittish. I know that sometimes sheep are fearful, but we take the Bible, and the best way we know how is shepherds and as pastors uh, to be able to help a person make it through a difficult time. And so we see this, uh, that why is it that God used young Elisha? Well, statement number one, he made much of the house of God. Here Elijah, the older man, is getting ready to go down to Bethel, uh, the place of the house of God, the place of bread. And he's getting ready to go down there. And uh, young Elisha looked at older Elijah and said, I, I want to go with you. I want to go with you. And by the way, it's always good to go down to the house of God. It's more pleasurable to go down to the house of God when you have somebody going down to the house of God with you. Uh, it's more pleasurable to drive in a vehicle. Uh, Brother Pilowathico and I are getting ready to leave on a mission trip, and, uh, and uh, we're talking about uh, me going, and I've done that many, many times, just me going. And I said, well, now, if you're going to go, let's go together. Well, you know why? Because it's, uh, it's, it's easier to fellowship with someone than with no one. You'll get tired of talking in the mirror by yourself after a while, by and by. And so it's, it's good to have fellowship. Every Christian needs to have somebody they can fellowship with. Every couple needs to have somebody that they can fellowship with. Uh, every preacher needs to have somebody that he can fellowship with. Uh, every little child ought to have playmates that they can fellowship with and grow in the Lord together and have a good time. So you see here that young Elisha, he made much of the house of God. He didn't have to go down with Elijah, but he chose to go down with Elijah by by the way, nobody holds a, a hammer over your head and makes you come to church. Hopefully, you come to church because you love God. Hopefully, you come to church because it's something that you desire to do. Hopefully, you come to church because it's a good thing to do. You know, I was thinking just a few minutes ago, and I introduced Kyle, and I, I, I said something about Alexis and uh, being here. But as I was shaking Kyle's hand a few minutes ago, and I was saying, man, it's so great to see you. He said, well, you know, I'm working all the time, of course, a policeman and we're for the police department he said I'm working all the time he said but this week we're on vacation and he said I get to come on my vacation well I, he's excited about being in church on his vacation yeah. now can I tell you that's a good thing that's a good thing make much of the house of God statement number one statement number two uh, make much of a living God now don't you thank God tonight we have a living God don't you thank God tonight he's not dead don't you thank God tonight he answers prayer don't you thank God tonight he's not folded up his tent and gone to the house don't you thank God tonight that when you ask uh, according to the will of God he answers by the will of God and so make much of a living God how is it that God uh, will use you greatly as a Sunday school teacher how is it that God could use you greatly as somebody that sings in the choir how is it that God could use you greatly uh, as you work in the nursery how is it that God could use you greatly no matter what uh, type of service you render to God how is it that God could do that well make much of the house of God there's two institutions that God himself created and uh, at the very beginning he created the the institution of government he created the institution of that which is the family or marriage uh, there's one institution that Christ himself uh, created and that is the local church uh, Jesus Christ is the one that to created the local church. Now, can I tell you, I'm glad I'm part of a local church. Why? Inside of the local church, uh, that's where you're going to get bread. 
Uh, that's where you're going to come and get fed. That's where you're going to come and get inspired. Uh, a man of God gets up and he opens his mouth and he cries aloud and he spares not and he tries to teach and preach to you the infallible riches, the certain riches of the Word of God that can change your life forever. So make much of the house of God. Statement number one. Statement number two, I said, make much of a living God. Uh, the Bible says three times here in verse two, four, and six, he says, as the Lord liveth. And so you have a Lord that liveth. Oh, I've been to many countries around the world. And can I tell you uh, that statues change from place to place. If you go to the Philippines, uh, oftentimes you'll see people bowing down to a saint and uh, praying to a saint. They're praying to a statue. And uh, oh, if you go over with me to Thailand, it just changes statues. It's the same type of thing, but it's Buddha. And uh, you see Buddha that's in Thailand. And uh, they have the spirit houses outside of their house. And, uh, and uh, they're paying homage and they're giving offerings to Buddha in the spirit house. And you go to different countries with me around the world and they've got all these different images that they bow down to. But can I tell you for certain, can I tell you for sure, there's only one living God. And that living God tonight can change your life. There's not a statue under heaven that's going to change your life. But I can tell you this for certain. I can tell you this for sure that God himself through his son Jesus Christ will change your life forever the Bible says in Psalm 139 in verse 7 it says whether uh, shall I go from thy spirit uh, whether shall I flee from thy presence if I ascend into heaven thou art there if I ascend uh, if I make my bed in hell thou art there if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the othermost parts of the sea even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me uh, the Bible says over in John uh, chapter 4 verse 34 the Bible says and Jesus saith unto them uh, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me uh, and to finish his work John chapter 9 in verse 4 the Bible says I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day the night cometh when no man uh, can work and so the Bible talks here about a living God a living God uh, we're supposed to uh, honor him we're supposed to serve him we're supposed to work for him we're supposed to obey him that's the living God that we're supposed to do that too so uh, we ought to make much of the house of God make much of the living God tell people about how God answered your prayer tell people about how God came through for you in a difficult manner uh, tell people how good God is and how God can take and change your life forever uh, politics won't do it uh, those that's in the White House oh I would say they would do better if they uh, get busy in the church house uh, because in the church house is where they'll hear the preaching and by the way the preaching of the word of God is what has always been used of God to be able to change the hearts of wicked men may I say uh, make much of the house of God statement number two make much of a living God statement number three make much of not quitting make much of not quitting if you talk about going on if you talk about continuing if you're excited about the things of God then you won't be excited about leaving you won't be excited about quitting you won't be excited about throwing in the towel you won't be excited about not pulling your chair up to the dinner table in order to get some spiritual meat from that which is the preaching that's done in the house of God uh, the Bible talks about this in uh, the same chapter but listen to it if you will uh, you'll see in verse 2 you'll see in verse 4 you'll see in verse 6 
He says, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, he said, I will not leave thee. Now, what's he doing? He's making an announcement to that which is uh, his older man of God. Uh, he says, I'll tell you what. He said, I'm not going to leave you. I'll be right beside you. And by the way, uh, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt that was comforting to Elijah. But no doubt it was also comforting to young Elisha because Elisha was going to see things that he never saw before by staying close to that which is is uh, the man of God and he decided that there was not going to be a quit inside of him you know it's kind of funny I don't know why people quit I really don't know why but uh, I've never thought about quitting church it's just never crossed my mind to quit church now I'm being honest with you I've just never thought about quitting church I've never thought about quit serving God I never thought oh do you get frustrated oh yeah sometimes uh, do you uh, uh, get discouraged? Oh, yes, sometimes I'm human. But I've never thought about just quitting and throwing in the towel. I've just never thought about walking off. Why? Because if I walked off from the will of God, where in the world am I going to go? I believe if I had tried to become president, like right now, there's something like 140 Democrats that's trying out for the Democratic Party. And, uh, but uh, can I tell you, if I uh, uh, tried to be a president, I'd have to step down from the will of God in order to try to be the president of the United States. And can I tell you, it's not worth it. Just not worth it. I like being in the will of God. Why? Because in the will of God, I can please him. In the will of God, I can sleep good at night. In the will of God. Oh, you say, but preacher, sometimes it's hard. Life is hard. Uh, getting out of bed for some people are hard. Working is hard. But it's still good to be able to serve God. Uh, the book of Galatians, chapter 2 and verse 20, the Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, uh, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so there's the reason to live for him. Uh, he gave himself for you. He gave him. Why would you quit on somebody that gave himself for you? I, I don't understand it. People have uh, different goals. They do. Well, I'm going to try and make a million dollars by the time I'm age 24 and a half. Well, I'm going to own so many houses by this age. Well, I'm going to have so many degrees by this age. Uh, let me ask you a question. I want you to think on it. What is your goals for serving God? God puts you here to serve him. Is your goal to be faithful to church? Is your goal to read your Bible? Can I tell you something? When you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, God's not going to reward you for how much money you have in the bank. God is not going to reward you for how high you rose in your profession. God's not going to reward you for uh, how many times you decided to skip church and go to a ball game. God's not going to reward you for that. God will reward you because you're faithful to God and because you stand in the place that you ought to stand. And what God's looking for is God is looking for faithful Christians that live for God. I'm saying this tonight. I'm saying that we ought to make much of the house of God. We ought to make much of a living God. We ought to make much of not quitting. Uh, statement number next, we ought to make much of the right crowd. You know, the world makes so much about the wrong crowd. They do. Uh, you know, even some young people, I'm certain probably not any of you, but uh, some young people I heard of, uh, they have basketball heroes and football heroes. 
and they have uh, uh, baseball heroes. I know not you. I'm just talking about people in general that probably doesn't even come to our church. And uh, uh, children, stop looking at your daddies. And, uh, but uh, you kind of give it away when you're staring at dad. <laughs> but uh, why don't you train your children to have missionary heroes? I, I'm sick of this. Well, I don't think that uh, we ought to worship a man of God. You're doing it with every sports hero you got. That's stupid. You'll go out, you'll pay, you'll pay $150 to get a jersey that has their name on it. But you won't get a preacher sign your Bible. Say, what is that? That's a hypocrite. You know, if, if, I, if I were you, I'd get excited about the things of God. By the way, whatever you get excited about is what your children's going to be drawn to. You get excited about sports and you sit in front of that uh, one eye idiot and, and you watch it and here's a guy who got 18 ounces of pigskin and he's running down the field uh, to put it in a goal and you're there acting like the fool, acting crazy and you're saying, go, go, go! We can't get a holy amen out of you when you come to church. Well, there's something wrong. You, you, you got wrong priorities. You ought to be excited about the things of God. Come on, I'm saying this. I'm saying that here we understand there's a right crowd. There's a wrong crowd. If you're going to lift the right crowd up to your people, then uh, your children, you're going to lift the right crowd up to your friends, uh, then why don't you appoint them at least somebody that bears the standard of righteousness? Not the standard of unrighteous. By the way, you check out some of those sports figures and uh, they can't stay married. They're on drugs. Uh, uh, they're breaking the law. And, and you're trying to promote that to your kid? Something's wrong. Now, I'm saying this. I'm saying that uh, we understand as gently as I can put it that uh, uh, you ought not to put the wrong crowd in front of your children. You say, but there's, uh, I see too many problems with preachers, and I see too many problems with missionaries. Oh, but you'll see far less in their life that are problems than you see with somebody that's uh, uh, running and doing dope and trying to push it. And, uh, you know, they got an, uh, an earring here and an earring here and a nose ring here, and they've got tattoos up one side and up the other side, and, and uh, they got them around their neck. And, and, and you're saying, oh, let me tell you, look at so-and-so. Wow, look at so-and-so. Oh, well, what you lift up is what they're going to follow. I'd rather them have a hero that's a farmer that earns his pay honestly. All right. Ezekiel 22 and 30. Ezekiel 22 and 30. The Bible says, I sought for a man among you that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap uh, before me in the land. Uh, that uh, I should not destroy it. But, here it's sad, very sad, I found none. I found none. You know, there's a hedge that needs to be made up between your child and God. There's a hedge. There's something that needs to be done there. And by the way, only you can do it. Your children do not do what you say. They will do almost all the time what you do. What you do. Oh, you can tell your child tonight, oh, it's important to go to church. But if they never see you go to church, they don't see the importance of it. You have to be a living testimony. Living testimony. You know, and, and oh, uh, don't get mad at me, but I'm leaving the country, so I guess it's all right. 
but some of you are just way too tight in church. You'll laugh in the hallway, but you look like you're sucking on uh, lemons or, or, or something in church. You get that mean, sour look. You know, you, you look like you're mad at the world. Is it because I'm preaching the Bible? Are you mad at God? Are you upset with him so much that you can't control your face? Oh, I'm saying this tonight as kindly as I can. Statement number one, uh, make much of the house of God. Statement number two, make much of a living God. Statement number three, make much of not quitting. Statement number four, make much of the right crowd. Of the right crowd. Now, I know many of you have compassion, but because of your compassion and your lack of firmness, you're going to lose your children. Because somebody goes off in sin and you say, oh, well, that's just their choice and they can do whatever they want to do. And, but you're doing that. You're, you're, you're agreeing with their unrighteousness and now they don't have any righteousness to come back to. Somebody has to stand. Somebody has to hold the light. Somebody has to say, this is the right way. Walk ye therein. Oh, may I say tonight that uh, there needs to be that which is the right crowd. Statement number next, there needs to be uh, making much of the man of God. Now, I don't know why this is going around the country. I don't know why this is going around the country. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But uh, it used to be we would take somebody that ran a bus route and we'd say, that's a hero. That's a hero. Man, they're given their Saturdays. They're given their Sundays. They, they could take a day off. They choose not to. That's a hero. It used to be we would look at Sunday school teachers and we would say, that's a hero. They're studying the Bible. They're making visits. They care about people. They love people. That is a genuine hero. It used to be we would look at missionaries and say they're leaving their homeland to go to a foreign land, to understand a foreign language, to uh, eat foreign food and, and, uh, and, uh, and live there. They're going to leave their mama. They're going to leave their daddy. They're going to leave their brothers, their sisters, their aunts, their uncles, their grandpas, their grandmas. They're going to leave all those, and they're going to sacrifice their life for the cause of Christ. And we would say, that's a hero. It used to be we would have preachers, and we would say, boy, I tell you what, uh, that is like a hero. But we don't have that in our nation anymore. It seems like that everybody's trying to milk their own cow. Well, that means they're trying to pat themselves on the back. And if you're not going to pat them on the back, they certainly don't want you to pat somebody else on the back. Oh, they're filled with jealousy. You know, it's hard. We have several assistant pastors here, and I love them. I love them dearly. And some of them pastored before they became my assistant pastor on staff. One of the first things I asked them is I said, now you're coming from being a successful pastor. I want to ask you a question. Can you serve under me? Because you see, it takes somebody special that God leads to go serve under another man. Uh, the other man's going to want to, just like any boss, tell you what to do and expect you to do it his way. That's why he hired you to work for him. And that's hard. And so, uh, uh, Brother Butler, he pastored before he came. And I said, now, you going to have any trouble with that? Oh, no, sir. Brother Bachman, of course, the same. And, uh, oh, no, sir. And by the way, uh, two outs. Do I have any other pastors that's serving me? 
I don't think so, do I, former? And, uh, but, uh, and, uh, but I asked these gentlemen. I said, uh, uh, are you going to have any issue with that? Oh, no, sir. And by the way, they have proved that over and over and over and over and over again. Now, uh, you know, the pastor, some pastors uh, mm, have peculiarities about them. I would be one of those. <laughs> there are things I like, and there's things I don't like. Oh, when I came to church here, when I came to church here, I tried to help people to see there's a, there's, a, there's a remarkable difference between a preference and a conviction. And I tried to help people see you put your preferences in one box and you put your convictions in another box. And if somebody don't agree with your preferences, don't get upset. Preferences simply means that's what I prefer. Convictions we get from the Word of God. We stand upon the Word of God. Now, but, but, but everybody has preferences. Doc, you have preferences? Do you have preferences? Do you have preferences? Raise your hand tonight if there's things you prefer in your life. Raise your hand. Everybody has preferences. All right? I try to be an honest preacher. I really do. Uh, I try to separate and help you to see the difference between a preference and a conviction. Uh, but at the very same time, oh, even the preacher has preferences. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, here's a preference. I tell my guys, if you're on the platform staff, you wear a white shirt. If you're, on my, if, you're on, if you're on my platform, now that's a preference. I can't give you a Bible verse for it, but that's my preference. But uh, because it's my preference, they'll honor it and they do that. I just think it looks more professional up here uh, with everybody that's there. And so they do that, and they're very kind to me. Oh, you say, uh, oh, what would happen if they decided not to do that? Oh, would you fire them? No, I don't think I would fire them. I think I'd go buy them a white shirt. Did I just open a can of worms? <laughs> Next week, they're all going to wear it, and they're going to send me a note to where I'm at. They're going to say, you said. <laughs> and uh, I'll go to Brother Palmore and say, please pay for that. <laughs> My pastor down at uh, Central, and I don't know if Brother Walters will remember this or not, and Brother Walters might be able to share the story with me later. Uh, after I get back but uh, uh, brother Williams sometimes he would say now I don't want you wearing red socks on the platform now I don't know if he ever had trouble with red socks that was his preference but I'll be honest with you I never wanted to wear red socks on the platform <laughs> never crossed my mind but that was his preference and so what did I do? I didn't wear red socks on the platform. And uh, because that was, because I loved him. His wife, his wife, oh, blessed be her name. Uh, her and Brother Wislowski could have fellowship. I, every morning, I'd, I'd fix uh, Mrs. Williams a cup of Maxwell House coffee. And I would, uh, Brother Williams would always have devotions with his faculty and staff. And we'd meet there at 730 and so he'd always come in, he'd give a devotion. And so I always got there at 7 o'clock. I did this for eight years. 7 o'clock I'd always get there, and I would fix Mrs. Williams a glass of Maxwell House coffee. She said, did you ever get tempted to drink it? Not one time. And uh, I'd fix her a cup of Maxwell House coffee. I'd decorate it just like she wanted it. And, uh, and then I would take it to her, to her staff meeting at 7.30, and I would hand it to her, and I would say, sure do love you. I'm praying for you today. Have a good day. I did that for eight years. Every morning, Monday through Friday, every morning, 
at 7 o'clock. I get it to church. Sometimes I get there a little bit early. Never will forget, one morning I went to the church early, and Brother Williams had bib overalls, bib overalls. And Brother Williams would always walk the parking lot at 6.30 in the morning, every morning, 6.30 in the morning, every morning, 6.30 in the morning, every morning, without fail, 6.30 in the morning, he'd walk the parking lot, he'd pray over the parking spots to be filled. Every morning, 6.30 in the morning. And uh, I came whipping in that parking lot one morning because I had some stuff to do before I could go to the uh, uh, faculty and staff meeting. I came whipping into the parking lot early one morning about 6.30. I didn't see him. I, honest, I didn't see him. And I almost killed my pastor. <laughs> and he chewed me out. He pulled me in. And he said, what are you doing driving like an idiot uh, here 6.30 in the morning? Calm yourself down. Why are you in such a hurry? I said, uh, I'm just trying to fix your wife a cup of coffee. That's all I'm trying to do. <laughs> and he, he said, well, go about your business. And, uh, but uh, uh, make much of the man of God. Uh, by the way, you don't have a perfect pastor. I'll be the first one to admit it. But you have a caring pastor. Amen. You have a pastor that wants to see people saved. I wouldn't go to all the trouble I go to traveling the country and training preachers and traveling overseas and holding pastors' conferences and training individual soul winners around the globe and doing it here if I didn't care. So you don't have a perfect pastor. Uh, uh, now, I'll tell you, I don't chew tobacco. Amen. I don't smoke. I don't do dope. I don't drink liquor. I, I, uh, uh, the deacons do all that. I don't do any of it. <laughs> I'm saying this. Second to Kings chapter 2 and verse 8. The Bible says, and Elijah took his mantle. And the Bible says, and Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. This is Elijah, the older man. Smote the waters and they divided hither and thither uh, so that they too went over on dry ground. Wow, because Elisha was close to Elijah, he got to see things he never would have seen God do if he would have left his presence. Statement number one, uh, make much of the house of God. Statement number two, why did God use Elisha? Make much of a living God. Statement number three, make much of not quitting. Statement number four, make much of the right crowd. Statement number five, make much of the man of God. Statement number next, uh, make much of asking for big things. And that's all I'll say. Make much of asking for big things. Here's our verses. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 9. The Bible says, And it came to pass when they were gone over... That Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I am taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion, listen to the wording now, of thy spirit be upon me. There was something about Elijah, his spirit impressed Elisha. And he said, I, I want your spirit. Now, by the way, we all should have such a godly spirit that somebody wants it. You should have such a spirit that somebody says, boy, I'd like to be able to uh, have your spirit of love or your spirit of forgiveness or your spirit of firmness or your spirit of consistency of your spirit or your spirit of soul winning, caring about a lost and dying world. Uh, I'd like to have a, a portion of your spirit of uh, uh, being gentle with people, uh, 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 but yet uh, uh, preaching the Bible or teaching the Bible. I'd like to have a, a portion of your spirit. By the way, what portion of your spirit so identifies you with God that somebody would say, I'd like to have that. That's convicting, by the way. 
I'd like to have that. If I was to pull your son aside tonight, and I would say, what is the thing that reminds you when you see your dad in every area of life, what is the one thing that sticks out in your head that reminds you of God in your dad's life? wonder what your son would say. If I was to pull your mom aside, and I would say, now, you tell me, I want you to be honest now. I want you to evaluate your mom. I want you to put your mom on a pedestal, and I want you to pass judgment on her. And I want you to tell me, what is the one thing that sticks out in your head that reminds you of God in your mama's life? I wonder what they would say. I wonder if they would say, well, jovial spirit. I wonder if they say, oh, such a forgiving person. I wonder if they would say, such a love for people. I wonder if they would say, oh, she's a prayer warrior. I wonder if they would say, she's a Bible student. I wonder if they would say, she cares for souls. I wonder if they would say, oh, she's so submissive to my, to my daddy. I wonder if they would say, oh, she's gentle. I wonder what they would say tonight. Here it is, and I'm done. Last verse I'll read. 2 Kings 2 and 15. The Bible says, And when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, I don't understand this, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him, and they bowed themselves to the ground before him. Might it be that they felt bad because they made fun of him before? Remember how they made fun of him? Uh, thy master from thy head will be gone today. It's almost like, how do you feel about that? You know, what do you think about that, teacher's pet? What, you know, isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? One of our youth workers told me this just recently. Said this, said, uh, uh, you know, when, uh, when some teenagers would get close to this particular youth worker, uh, other teenagers would call him teacher's pet youth worker's pet because they were jealous of the relationship that they were having well, with the youth director is what it was. And, and so, so they'd say teacher's pet or youth director's pet and, and then so that child would back off of being close to the youth director and the youth director's wife who could help them the most. And then somebody else would come along with a great spirit and they'd try and get close to, and, and some of the kids would come up, oh, you're nothing but a youth director's pet. Well, I'd rather be close to a, 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 a youth director. I'd rather be close to a Sunday school teacher. I'd rather be close to a preacher. I'd rather be close to a music director. I'd rather be close to somebody that's doing something for God than somebody who's doing little for God. Why? Because that's influence. That's influence. I'm saying this tonight, and I'm done. The Bible says, and when those uh, sons of the prophets, which were the view at Jericho, saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah hmm, doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him. They bowed themselves to the ground before him. Here's the question of the hour. What is your spirit like? What is your spirit like? When, when somebody leaves your presence, is this what they say? Boy, I tell you what, I sure did enjoy being with them. They, they, they sure did help me. They, they inspired me to do something for God. Is that what they say? Or do they say this? Well, I tell you what, I don't want to be around that person ever again. 
All they did is run down this person, run down this person, criticize this person, criticize this person, yakety yak, yamity yam, just uh, uh, all through and through. Just, oh, I, they just hurt my spirit. Or as people say, well, let me tell you, uh, when I'm around so-and-so, let me tell you how he, she sharpens me. Amen. See, we choose, don't we? The spirit of a man, protect your spirit, the spirit of a man will sustain him in times of infirmity. If you allow your spirit to be damaged by yourself or by somebody else, when you have infirmities that come in your life, you'll not be sustained. So protect your spirit. Because when you do that, it'll make all the difference in the world. Oh, here was a young, young preacher. And uh, he said, there's something there that I like. There's something there. And so he stayed with them. You'll see them too, them too, them too, them too, them too, them too, them too. And by the way, uh, it mentions his spirit. It didn't mention anything about Elijah not bathing. It didn't mention Elijah's eating habits. But, but it mentioned his spirit. Stand up and I'll finish here. So if we're not careful, here's what we do. Let's say he has a good spirit. Let's just say he has a good spirit. Now, he has a good spirit. Oh, but he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't clean out his ears. He doesn't brush his teeth. He doesn't wear deodorant. When he speaks to you, you can smell the garlic. And that's nasty. But he has good spirit. Let's say that he's Elijah and I'm Elisha. I am drawn to him by his spirit. See, there is some things in everybody's life you ought to be drawn to. And there is some things in everybody's life it should not matter to you. Well, I don't like so-and-so because they don't eat pizza. Well, I think they're wrong too, but still. I'll be about their spirit. Let your spirit be in such a way that when somebody gets around you, they get a little taste of heaven because of you. Father, bless we do pray. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.